Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. snow on the ground and everybody was watching in their, their PJs from home, we looked at the most important part of God's law, the greatest and most important commandment. According to God Himself, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, which was in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and said, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Now, everything that God expects from us as His people hinges on that single command. If you think about it, you can't love other people if you don't love God. You won't be obedient to God the way that you're supposed to be if you don't truly love Him. Now, this was a lesson that the Israelites had to learn all those years in the wilderness. And it's a lesson that all of us desperately need to learn. That if we're going to be God's people, we're going to have a covenant relationship with Him and follow Him in obedience, uh, we've got to love Him. Just like these folks had to love Him if they were going to go into the promised land and be His people. Jesus reiterated this time and time again. We've got to love Him. And he said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do what? That's where we left off last week. You will keep my commands. In other words, you'll be obedient to him if you love him. So that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, talking about being obedient, talking about taking those first steps or that next step. So when we come to this place, this point in life where we we do love the Lord and we want to follow Him and be obedient to Him and and we realize that it's time to make a move. It's time to act upon that love and upon that obedience. Whatever it is He's asking us to do, that's where we're at this morning, even in this story. So the backstory to this this morning, again, is God has promised These people, multiple times, He's promised their ancestors. He's going to give them this promised land. And so He he, he told Abraham uh, generations ago that He was going to do this. He told Moses. He told them uh, 40 years ago He's going to give it to them. And so they have to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness, not going into the promised land because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience. And now at this point in Joshua chapter 3, that unbelieving, unfaithful generation has, has finally died off. There's no, there's, no, there's no nice way to put that. They've died off. Moses has even died. Aaron has died. And now God raises up Moses' successor, this man with a wonderful name named Joshua. Wonderful name. Who will lead these people into the promised land. And lead them on the conquest of this land. So, as they were before, remember a couple weeks ago, we saw God's people, the whole nation, literally standing at the door of Canaan's land. And because of their unbelief, they did not go in at that time. Now they're once again standing there ready to go into this land flowing with milk and honey. And so like Moses, Joshua also sends some spies over into the promised land, into Jericho. This time instead of 12, he sends two. And these are the two spies that you, you've probably learned about in Sunday school that go into Jericho. They meet this lady named Rahab. And they come back across the river. And this time they give a report, not to 
the entire nation, but this time to Joshua alone. And here's what they say at the end of Joshua chapter 2. They said, The Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of us. Can't you just feel the excitement beginning to, to brew here? I mean, this is something that's been 40 plus years in the making as God's people are ready now to go into the promised land. That takes us to Joshua chapter 3. Such a historical moment for the nation of Israel. Let's read Joshua chapter 3 together. It's a short chapter. I want to read the whole thing this morning. It says that Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, Carry the ark of the covenant and go on ahead of the people. And so they carried the ark of the covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today... I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. And then Joshua told the Israelites, Come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, You will know that the living God is among you, and that He will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hethites, Hivites, Paris. Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. I won't make another sight joke this morning about that. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's waters, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Doesn't this sound like kind of a familiar scene? It's like God's repeating something that He's done before, and He's taking an entire nation through an impassable body of water. It's a really amazing scene. So after all of those years, I mean, we're talking 40 years of traveling, of wondering, of lessons learned, of successes and failures, loss of people. Finally, these people, God's people, are ready to go into the promised land. And for the very first time, I mean, just think about this for just a moment, the significance of this throughout history. 
For the very first time, Israel as a nation sets foot in the land that God promised to give to Abraham. And guess what? They're still there today. A few things I want to point out from this that's relevant to us today. As we find ourselves wanting to take that next step or sensing God encouraging us, prompting us to take that next step. is There's a few things we need to do in this process. And first that we see here is sometimes you need to camp before you cross. They, it seems, you know, I'm, I've read through this story. I've tried to picture this in my mind. And, and I think if it was me and I've been traveling all this, all this time and maybe I've heard the stories from my parents, maybe even my grandparents, and now I realize I'm this close to the promised land, I don't think I'd want to stop at the bank of the river. I'd probably want to dive in head first and just try and get there, right? But these people, I mean, even though it seems like they'd be so eager to get to the promised land, they need to pause if only just for a few more days. And what we realize when we read this and we look at the geography is they've only traveled seven miles from where they last were. Seven miles. I mean, we could do that ourselves and be just fine. But it's a, it, although it is a tough, rugged, hot seven miles across the Jordan Valley. And so just from a physical standpoint... They need to stop for just a few days. But notice what happens during their time in the camp. It's not that they've just stalled or they've stopped believing or trusting, but everything's being put in order to go across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. This was something, again, that had been 40 years in the making. They kind of have to get this part right. And so instructions are being given. The people are learning how this is going to work. They're learning about what they're supposed to do, things they're not supposed to do. They're told that they're supposed to keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant or watch the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark moves, they're supposed to follow it and move. And the Ark represents the presence of the Lord. And I think for us, what we've got to realize is when God begins to move, even if we're stopped right where we are, we need to pick up, break camp, and follow God. But right now, they're supposed to... To be still for just a minute, just three days for preparation. And I kind of think we grasp what's going on in these first few verses. We kind of understand the importance of adequate preparation, right? I thought about my own life, you know, just the education that I've, I've, I've went through and the training and the preparation just to get up here and preach on 25, for 25 minutes on Sunday. I, mean, I, was, I was thinking, man, I went through after college, at least six more years of school, just to be able to do this on Sunday morning. And we understand what, what, what is, what, why people need to prepare. And we're, we're really good as, as Christians and even just humans is camping out in one place in life, sometimes for a very long time and not really moving forward. But we, we like to feel prepared. We like to feel like we're ready to go, right? But we need this critical time of preparation, of pause, in this case, I think even of rest. God designed us to need rest. But the problem is, and the danger is, sometimes we camp out a little too long. Sometimes we stay there in one place in life a little longer than we're supposed to. A little longer than even God intends us to. And I understand why. You know, think about this situation. This, where they are, it's comfortable. God's giving them everything they need. He's giving them manna from heaven. He's feeding them. It's familiar. It's a place that they've been before, relatively safe. Really, everything's pretty good. But how often in life do we trade what's good for what could be great? 
How often do we settle for what's mediocre and then just totally forget what God wants to do in our life? And he wants to take us so much farther than just that right there. So notice the caution the officers give here. Again, keep your eyes on the priest and on the ark. Don't cross in the wrong place. You've never been here before. It's different. It's unknown to you. And folks, I don't know if you've ever done something new in life, especially as an adult. It's fun as a kid, right? But when you get older, like, like a, a big kid, new things are scary. Starting something new is scary. Uh, but again, this is how it's supposed to be. He says, this is the promised land. This is the land God has given you. It's yours. It's your destiny. God wants to put you here. And while it may be new and while it may be scary, this is God's plan for you. So don't stay there too long. Now, notice what Joe himself tells the people. They're not just camping out for the scenery. In the middle of this waiting period, and there's always a meantime, every step of the way through life, there's always this meantime. And in the meantime, we need to prepare for God's provision. I'm sure that during all this, bags were being packed, loose things were being strapped down. They were getting ready for this journey across the river to go into the promised land. But more important than all of that was, as Joshua says, this consecration, this sanctification that was being done. And Joshua 3, 5 is probably one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves. Why? I love the promise. Because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then he begins to tell them exactly what God's going to do, how the waters of the Jordan are going to part just like God parted the waters of the Red Sea when Moses led them out of Egypt. And again, you can almost just sense the excitement. Imagine the people that didn't go through the Red Sea that are hearing, have heard about this, and now they're hearing from Joshua, God's going to do this again for us as we go through the Jordan River. This time, not out of Egypt, but into the very promised land that God promised to give us. And then Joshua tells them, but make sure you prepare yourself, not just your stuff. Don't just rest and prepare physically, but prepare spiritually for what God is going to do among us tomorrow, for what only God can do. How often do we ask God to do something? How often do we even expect God to do something on on, on a certain level? And then we turn around and we act as if God is not going to do what we've just spent days, weeks, maybe years begging Him to do. I love the the movie called uh, Facing the Giants. It's an older Kendrick Brothers movie. If you've never watched it, by all means, it's a great one to watch with the family. But in this movie, there's a scene where this this older Christian man comes into the office of the football coach. And he's, he's talking about faith. And he tells a story about these two farmers. Two farmers, same place, same situation, both facing the same drought, and both farmers began to pray and beg God to send the rain so their crops will grow. And the old man tells the coach, he said, but only one of those farmers went out and prepared his crops to receive the rain. And he asked the question, which one do you think actually had faith? You see, sometimes we pray... And we don't really pray in faith. And I think as we pray in faith and we prepare for God to move and we prepare to follow him in the next steps that he would have us go, sometimes we need to do a little faithful preparation on our part and not just sit back and and just say, okay, God, do this for me. When God has given us oftentimes all the tools that we need to do the exact same thing that we're praying 
for God to do. So here's an example. Maybe when we pray for someone to get saved, which we should, how about we brush up on the Roman road or go back and read through Share Jesus Without Fear just in case God were to give us the opportunity to witness to this person. Or maybe, or maybe when we're praying for God to make our spouse a better spouse, why don't we turn to God's Word and read about what God's Word says about being a good, faithful Christian spouse and become a better spouse as we pray for our spouse to become a better spouse. Or if we pray for God to make our church better or make our pastor better, why don't we turn to God's Word and see what a faithful, functional church member looks like and become a better church member as we pray for God to make our church better. And I think if we'll do that, we'll find ourselves right now in this final part of the story. Getting ready to dive into deeper water. You see, at this time of the year, and I love this, that when God wanted to bring his people across the river, it wasn't dried up and ready for them to cross. At this time of the year, the Bible tells us that it was flooded. It was dangerous. The waters, the banks were overflowing. It was probably muddy. But here's the thing. All the people had to do was be willing to put their toes in the water. God didn't even ask them to, to swim or to learn how to swim or build a boat. He says, hey, get the priests to put their feet in the water. And I'll do the rest. Just do that. And I've got it. So Joshua leads the people into the middle of the Jordan River. And again, all of God's people, the entire nation, passed through the waters of the Jordan River, this time on dry ground. And I've, I've tried to wrap my mind around this miracle because I don't know how many people uh, have played on the banks of the Cumberland River. You've been down to where something's been flooded. But when, when the waters recede from a place or even when the river dries up and the, you can go walk on the riverbed, it's not dry ground. I've been walking through there sometimes, man, and I step in some mud and it's like, like it just swallows me up. It's dangerous. But God not only parted the waters... But somehow God removed every wet molecule of water from the very dirt and they were able to stand and walk across on dry ground through this river. Many scholars believe years later that at this exact same spot, this is an important spot. This is why we read our Bibles. Don't skip over the, the, the places and the names and, and make sure you really dig into this. This is why we're doing these D groups and getting deep into the Word. Because in this exact same spot, it was so important to the nation of Israel. Next chapter, Joshua is going to mark this spot with 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan River where the priests held the Ark of the Covenant. Because years and years later, again, at this I can't say this enough, at this exact same spot, matter of fact, over a thousand years later, the Bible goes on to tell us that a man came to this spot by the name of John. And he was out there in the middle of the Jordan River right here, baptizing people. And the Bible says that another Joshua or Yeshua or Jesus, as we say, came to John in this spot to be baptized there in the middle of the Jordan River. And Jesus was not only baptized, but the Bible tells us that Jesus fulfilled the Old 
covenant. He fulfilled the law and he established a new covenant, this time one that was written in his own blood. And he took all these rules that we've been reading about, all these laws, all these statutes, and the Bible says that he fulfilled them. And so God gives the Israelites this great mission to go into the promised land and to conquer it and to make this pagan land a holy nation literally by driving the darkness out of this land. And today Christ comes and He's sending us not on a great mission, but on a great co-mission to go not just to the promised land, but as He said, to the ends of the earth and not just making converts, but making disciples and not driving people out, but bringing people in to Christ's kingdom. And so while we're separated by these events by thousands and thousands of years and things were quite different back then, the principle remains the same is that God still wants to take us into deeper water. I like to think God wants to take us into the deeper water where the big fish are, right? So we can bring them in. And all these people needed to do, again, was take one step. Joshua said, get ready, consecrate yourselves, keep your eyes on the Lord, and put your toes in the water. And, and watch what I do next as he parted the waters. God did the miraculous. Today, all God asks for us, and you've probably heard preachers say this a thousand times, is to take that one step of faith. God's not asking you to sign up for seminary today. He's not asking you to sign up for the, with the IMB to go to the mission field. Just take that one next step, whatever that is. Just dip your toes in the water. And he'll show you the very next thing. And so my question for you this morning is, what is that next step for you and for your family? Maybe it's something like getting into the waters of baptism and following Jesus in that first act of obedience. Maybe it's church membership. Maybe it's towards uh, you know, ministry or serving in the church in some way. Maybe it's just becoming more committed in your personal time with the Lord and reading the Bible and praying to God and going to Sunday school and making it there by 9.45 because we know you don't make it at 9.30, but 9.45 is acceptable, right? So taking that first step of obedience... Whatever that looks like for you. Would you stand together as we close in prayer? Father, this morning we thank you that you are a God of miracles. And God, you are so understanding of us and our nature and who we are. And Lord, all throughout Scripture, you don't ask ask people to do too much. It seems like big things, but God, you're the one that does the big things. You just ask us to follow you, to follow you, to put our toes in the water and and, and then watch, God, as you do the miraculous. So, Lord, this morning, God, we all have another step that we need to take. Well, we don't want to camp out too long. We know we need to spend time in prayer and discernment preparation, but God, if we've been stalling on something, God, I pray that today we just have the faith to follow you one more step. And maybe it's a baby step, Lord, but I pray you'd lead us very clearly this morning as we make a decision to follow you for ourselves, for our families, God, for our church. God, just show us your way. Thank you, Lord, for your grace on this wonderful journey of following you. Thank you for being with us, Lord. And as the people were to keep their eyes on the ark, God, I pray this morning, as we follow you, as we go through life and its many ups and downs, help us, Lord, to keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. This morning, however, the Lord's leading you, if it's to make a decision.
baptism or church membership or you just need to come and pray this morning, why don't you come as we sing a song of invitation? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville on Twitter at Barberville FBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.